This is Philippians chapter 3, verses 1 through 8. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again, and it is a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If anyone else thinks that he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain him. Thank you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you for, man, I felt joy in this place this morning. I actually, in my spirit, I felt like when the band started, we as people needed to be shook out of a little bit of a slumber. But that as we came to, we realized there's joy in this place. There's joy in singing to the Lord. There's joy in this life that I have despite the hardships. So Lord, our hearts are prepared. We have sung what is true. We have thought about our lives, thinking about one day, the hardships that we have, they're going to be gone. There's only so much time here, and you are doing a great work. Then we open your word and we see that there is a battle going on in each of our lives and so we pray Lord as we open your word that you would speak to the parts of our lives that need to be woken up that need to be changed that need to be nurtured we love you please speak to us in Jesus name amen Message title this morning, help, I've misplaced my confidence. Help, I can't seem to find it, or I've put it in the wrong place. The other night, the, I was getting ready for bed, and if you live downtown here or anywhere by Civic Field, on certain nights of the summer, you're asleep or you're trying to get there and then there's an explosion outside. And then there's another explosion. And then there's another explosion. And no, they're not gunshots, everybody who's scared of downtown Bellingham. They're fireworks. And it's coming from the Bells game. And then another one happens and another one happens. And we can see them from the boys' room. So we sit there and watch. And uh, then What's the best part of the fireworks show? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, that's my favorite. The grand finale. It's my favorite part. Because there's like, you see one, and you're like, ooh, those ones are cool. The ones that like, and then they spin out. or like the. But then the grand finale, they put everything that they've done together, and then they just start popping off, and it's crazy. Actually, I was looking at that, and I'm like, that's where we're at in the book of Philippians. We're starting the grand finale. As a matter of fact, there's two words that, that we see one today, and then there's one in chapter four. Paul says this twice. He uses the word finally, but he uses it twice. Finally, do you notice in, in verse one? Finally, or as in the NIV says, further, because, but it's the same word, finally and further. He is moving into the grand finale, which Paul does when you read his letters. He talks at the beginning. He's making... Well, look at the summary of, of Philippians so far. 
What have we learned so far? We've learned this. No human being sets out on a quest to be humble and lowly. It's not like we're little kids and we're like, this is the goal for my life. As a matter of fact, it's quite the opposite. Pride, mine, it's ingrained into us from when we are born. Selfish ambition is at the heart of fallen humanity. We've learned so far that unity is what God wants in our hearts and in people, and humility is what we need. We've learned that if we want these things, we don't look to the world, we look to Jesus, chapter 2. We learned that the way home, the way to this place of being at home in Jesus is best walked side by side with other people. Last week we talked at length about the power of encouragement from people that are close to us. What it means to have, Proverbs says, a word fitly spoken is like a jewel in settings of silver. It's like a, a beautiful ring. When someone speaks a word to your heart in the right season, it's like it fits perfectly like a jewel set in silver. The truth is this. We are all at times weighed down by life's hardships. That's an inescapable human reality. It may look different to people, but we are all weighed down with hard things. Things happen that knock us, that knock our confidence. Paul was greatly encouraged by people in his life that their spirit brought refreshment to his spirit. And he knew their relationship was not by chance. It was a gift from God. That's the culmination of everything we've seen so far. Now the grand finale where Paul starts saying, boom, boom, boom. They're coming in rapid succession. So all of this, and so he says today, so finally... Or further, because of all of this, because life is hard, because you need people, because people's gifts look different, because they're with you, because of all of that, rejoice in the Lord. Your circumstances may be hard, but God is still good. Amen? You may have lost your job, but God still got you. My wife has something written on the sink. It's all... Uh, it's, she has stickies, sticky notes. My wife's a sticky note person. Any sticky note people? She has little truths written on them, and they're found in different places around the house. And the one above the sink says, I got you, God. Just because whatever it is going on, that is true. We, verse 1-6, it's his promise. That's what Paul starts with in the introduction of his letter. Goes into the body. We're bringing it home. Here's what he said. Being confident of this. Confident of what? That he who began a good work in you will, will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ. It's saying this. God is looking at you. He's like, I got you. You don't see it, but he does. He's going to bring people along your path that you're just going to have for a season. And they're going to teach you things about God and yourself that you need, and then those people are going to go. And then new people will come along. But the whole point is that God is pointing us to something that he is doing in our lives and in turn through our lives. So rejoice in the Lord. Don't rejoice in the circumstances because they're hard. Don't rejoice in a situation. It's not a false rejoicing like, I don't even need to give an example. It's not a false rejoicing. It's just like, man, this is hard. But Lord, I trust you. I believe that you will work all things together for good. I believe that you are doing something in my life. And so it says, rejoice who? In the Lord, not in yourself. Today we're going to talk about the power of confidence, both for good and for bad. Let me start by asking you a question. Feel free to respond is confidence good or bad? 
Raise your hand if it's good. Raise your hand if it's bad. Raise your hand if it's both. All of you people at the end, you're like, oh, there's a both? See. <laughs> See. It's like in high school in the test where you didn't know the answers. I don't know if anyone else did this in here, but if I didn't know the answers because I didn't study, I would go ACDC, ACDC, ACDC the whole time because I thought, as you know, it's a good chance that... And it was pretty rock and roll of me. It never worked. I failed those tests. I learned it was better to study. All right. The answer is both. It depends on, is confidence good or bad? Well, it depends. Where do you get it? And what do you do with it? Let's look at verse 1 again. Finally, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. It is no trouble for me to write these things to you again. It's actually a safeguard for you. Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is us who are the circumcision. We who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and put no confidence in the flesh. I need to give you guys a warning. Actually, the, the Lord wants to give all of us a warning. Paul's like, I'm going to give you a heads up. For those of you in this room that want your life to be set apart for the work of the kingdom of God, there are going to be people that may look the part but will actually be unhealthy for your progress. There will be leaders. There will be podcast hosts. There will be Bible experts. There will be church pastors, influencers, people that are not healthy for your progress. Watch out. Be aware. There will be people who try to drag you backwards and they won't have horns and have a tail and a pitchfork and have an evil laugh. The devil manifests himself as light and goodness. He tries to look good to keep you from being great. There will be people who try to drag you backwards in the church, and here's how they'll do it, by adding rules and weight to your life. Paul is speaking to a group of people. I'm going to explain what's going on as we move toward our concluding thoughts. There was a group of people in the churches that Paul would plant that would come in after he left or moved on. They were called Judaizers. They would come in and they would say stuff like, oh, you guys are off to a great start. Praise God for all of that. But if you want to be mature, really grow, let us show you our diet, the way we eat. We're really set apart for God. Let us show you how much we give not just financially, we actually, they may say, we tithe everything because we want everybody to know that we are really set apart. Then they would say, have you been circumcised? So remember Philippi, this city in Macedonia, this is Europe. We're in uncharted waters for the Christian church up until this point. They had no um, framework or background from what, what a Jewish upbringing and faith was. As a matter of fact, when Paul went back to Jerusalem after he did some of his missionary journeys, they were baffled because they were like, it's like the Holy Spirit is doing in those people who aren't Jewish, who don't know our background. It's like he's doing the same thing in them that he's doing in us. And they're like, that is rad. Let's make, let's, and Peter steps up and he's like, let's make sure that this continues. And they figured out. What does it look like for new people to come into the church who didn't grow up in the church? What does it look like for people who don't know how to church, is what I like to say. 
They're in uncharted waters. They didn't know what all of this stuff. And in Rome, sorry to give the visual, but it's, it's like public baths were a thing. So if you rolled up to a public bath having something done to your body that other people don't have, it would be very visible very quickly. They were like, have you done this? It really lets the world know that you're different. That you're, they tried to make people, you want to be like Jesus? Be, be like us first. Paul says, watch out for people. And then he calls them dogs. This was like... This is a very heavy term because this was a term that a very devout Jewish person would have for the rest of the world. The people that their lineage, their heritage is from the people in the Old Testament that was trying to wipe them out, trying to kill them, trying to do away with them. Generations later, they were like, they're dogs. They're not worthy to be compared. He's like, no, those dudes are the dogs. They're unworthy. They're not trying to help you to be holy, holy, more set apart. They're mutilating your flesh, he said. Watch out for those mutilators of the flesh. Because circumcision was a physical cutting away of the skin that symbolizes allegiance to God. But he says, we're the circumcision. He's in jail. He's pointing to these new believers. The Philippian jailer, that the young gal that was... If you read in Acts 16, you see who was part of this church. It was very blue-collar. And then there was a female business owner. And there was also a young gal that had suffered from demon, um, what is it? Possession in her life. Sold out to the things of darkness, and God delivered her from it. He was like, you guys is what it's about. You're the circumcision you're set apart from God, not because you've cut stuff away from your body, but because the Spirit of God has cut your heart. Circumcision was always a sign pointing toward what God would one day do. Jeremiah speaks of it. Joel speaks of it. That one day God would circumcise not our skin, but our hearts. That we would, he would write his laws on our, there was going to be something that happened one day that didn't come from a law, but came from a person. So here's, I got two watch outs for us, for me, for you. Watch out. If someone is, all, if someone is always talking about their experience, if they for what is it, forefront? If they preload every conversation with how much experience they have. Watch out for people like this. Someone says, I've been doing this for 40 years. So, boom, 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 boom. I have been doing this. I put this. If someone spends more time talking about their experience than sharing their experience for the benefit of others, watch out. Someone who's an expert in word only, but you don't see it lived out in deed, watch out. I love people with experience. We need people with experience. We don't need people to flaunt their experience. We need people to share their experience. That's servant leadership. That makes God happy. I don't need to know if you've been doing what you do for 50 years. Show me that you've been doing what you do. You know why? What is it that Paul was saying? He's been saying this whole time. What is it that we need more of? Humility, not pride. There's a difference between flaunting what you think is confidence and showing your confidence. This is important to me. I trusted my life, my father-in-law's life, and my two brother-in-law's life to our guide who led us up Shuxon, Mount Shuxon a few years ago. He was younger than all of us. He was 24 at the time, and he was tying off rope systems that we were hanging from. We trusted him. If I would have been like, yo, how much experience do you have? I think it was like four years at the time. And I was like, I don't know, man. But his four years were way bigger 
You know why? He was sold out to what he was doing. His whole world was wrapped around being a guide and getting people safely up the mountain. That's what he did. I trusted him to it. When I first started doing tree work, I took to it like a fish to water. It was like I've been waiting for this trade, and this trade had been waiting for me. I get to destroy stuff in a very calculated manner, and I have to use my brain and take puzzles apart. And I, t I would work all day long, and then I would go home, and I would read about how to rig dynamic loads and how a 150-pound piece of wood quickly becomes 650 pounds if it falls this far before the rope catches. And, and Steph would be like, what are you learning? I'm like, I'm learning about dynamic loading principles. And, and the best way, I'm learning physics. I didn't take physics in high school because it didn't interest me, but I start cutting trees and I'm like, this interests me. My whole world was about it and I would go do a tree job and someone would be like, how long have you been doing this? I'm like, like nine months. <laughs> but I'm really into it. And then you got these salty, I don't want to say salty old guys, but there's some people like, I've been doing this 50 years. I'm like, I know. And you're like, I still wouldn't hire you. <laughs> you guys know it's the same in the church, right? Like, it's out there. If it wasn't, we, Paul wouldn't be warning. He's like, these guys looked apart, the but they're hurting your progress. Be careful. Here's a second watch out. If someone spends more time pointing out their perceived wrong in others than pointing out, let me read that again. If someone spends more time pointing out people's wrongs than pointing out Jesus' rights, be careful. There are people who make a whole living at pointing out other people's wrongs. We want to surround ourselves and we want to follow. I want to follow. I want to be with people that are more, that care more about pointing out Jesus' rights than others' wrongs. Watch out for people like this. Paul goes one step further. You know why? He goes, watch out for people like this because I used to be like this. He says, I subscribed to this lifestyle for years. Pick it up in verse 4. So, verse 3 actually. It is we who are the circumcision who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ and put no confidence in the flesh. Verse 4. Though I myself have every reason for such confidence. He's like, I have every reason for it. If someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then he gives his rap sheet, his, his successes, his brag sheet. Circumcised the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, I persecuted the church. As for righteousness based on the law, faultless. That doesn't mean much to us now. But he's saying significant things. He's saying like this. If anyone has a right to put confidence in the flesh, me. I have this many Super Bowl rings. I have this many MVPs. That's what we, that makes more sense to us. But he's like this. I was born in the right country. I was born to the right nation. I came from the right people of that nation. So of the right country, Israel, God's chosen people. From, the, from within Israel, Israel had 12 tribes. Under Solomon's son, who wrote Ecclesiastes that we went through not too long ago, when, when Solomon left power, his son Rehoboam took power. Under Rehoboam's reign, Rehoboam and Jeroboam, the, the nation was split. There was the northern ten tribes, the southern two tribes. The southern two tribes where Jerusalem was, was the tribe of Judah, which would come the lion of the tribe of Judah, Jesus, and the other the other tribe that stayed with them, any guess as to who it was? It's the tribe of Benjamin. Within Benjamin's borders was the city of Jerusalem. So Paul was like, I'm, I'm Jewish Israel through and through. It's in my bones. As a matter of fact, I'm from the tribe of Benjamin, the 
the tribe that never sold out to the north. Whoo, he's talking smack. But he's also showing how much confidence he has. The one tribe that stayed with Judah when the nation split. I'm from the right family, he would say. I've been set apart from birth, circumcised the eighth day. I've been rolling with God since I was this old. I got the scars to prove it. His self-confidence level was 10 out of 10. How much so? He goes, he says, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regarding to the law, a Pharisee. Exodus, so Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The first five books of the Bible, the Torah, the law. He goes, how was I to all of that stuff? A Pharisee, meaning I gave my entire life to the law of God. The Pharisees lived to the law of the Old Testament and an additional 613 laws that they made to be extra set apart. He was like, I was about it. I belonged to the right group. I was a Pharisee. I was the pro-athlete, spiritually speaking, of the day. What was my zeal? Oh, you want to know how about it I was? I persecuted the church. He didn't just persecute church, but when you read in the book of Acts in chapter 6, it says when Stephen, the first martyr, was stoned for his faith, it says the people that threw the stones took off their jackets and they all handed them to Paul. His name was Saul at the time. And he was like, as they took off their jacket, they're looking for approval. Can I? Yes, you may. Hold my jacket. He goes, that's how serious I was. I know what these people are like. I was at that place. If anyone could lay claim to pleasing God by keeping religious law and works of the flesh, it was Paul. He was far more qualified than his He was far more qualified than these opponents that were making claims against him. In his mind, he pleased God because of who he was. That's called self-righteousness. But then he met Jesus, and everything changed. Verse 7, but whatever I gained, he said, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Jesus. Verse 10 that I may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain to the resurrection of the dead. Paul thought he had good standing with God on his own. That's what religious law, legalism, that's what it brings. We think we're good to God because of what we do. But then he learned that no matter how righteous he thought he was, it was never be good enough to gain right standing with God. Matter of fact, he called it garbage, which in Bible word, we could call it garbage. It's more literally translated crap. It means feces. It actually means, um, it, which is, if you, in, according to, Jewish ritual law, it is, um, what is the word I'm looking for? It is, it makes you unclean. It makes you um, defiled. It's defiling. He's like, not only do I throw it, it's not like that was garbage. He's like, no, those things defiled me. They made me, it was rubbish when I learned what I had been looking for and trying to do on my own, I could never do it. There's somebody that needs to hear that today. There's many people that need to hear that today, but I know that there's somebody that needs to hear what you're trying to do on your own, you'll never do it. You'll never, if you were to stand before Jesus 
and do all the stuff. This is what living in, with karma or like trying to outweigh your good with your bad. If you were to stand before Jesus, it's not like, G and then legalism looks like we're going to stand before Jesus. He's going to be like, told you, you sucked the whole time. You got to go to hell. That's what people think when you have legalism. That's not what it is. It means you stand in front of him with all your stuff and him with broken eyes said, it would never work. You know why? Because your good deeds, if that's what you're using, your self-righteousness to try to make you right before God, if that's what you're going to bring to the throne, then you have to compare it to Jesus's self-righteousness and good deeds. And so you may have done great, but when it's compared to what Jesus has done, we're going to be like, dang. That's why Paul was like, I did all this stuff, and then I met Jesus, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I wasted all those years. We'll see those years weren't a waste, but he was just like, what a load of crap. Pride will push back against that and be like, no, no, I got to hold on because that's how I was raised. That's the stuff I was taught. That's the stuff that's been ingrained in me since a child. Those people are bad. Paul let it go all the way in and it changed him. He found freedom, a refuge. Philippians, Jesus is our refuge. Why? Because Paul in all four chapters is trying to say, because that's where I found my freedom. It wasn't in this. It wasn't in planting this many churches. It wasn't in this. As a matter of fact, I have freedom even in my chains because I'm free in Jesus. I'm free from the works that I tried to do before. The, you know, that's what happens when the Holy Spirit enters someone's life. How do you know when someone is a Christian? I would say one way you know when, some, when the Holy Spirit is working in someone's life this is one thing that happens. There's a freedom that happens. There's an exchange. The Bible calls it an exchange of flesh and the spirit. You know how many verses it talks about God doing this exchange? He says, I will take your heart of stone out and I will put in a heart of flesh. I will write my law, not on tablets of stone, but on your heart. There's an exchange. Sometimes exchange is messy. Because becoming alive to God means dying to yourself. That's a messy business. Especially when you've built a kingdom around yourself. Especially when you've lived in a lie for so long you don't know the way out or there's addiction or there's all these things happen. When this exchange happen, happens and darkness has to be exposed in order to replace it with light, it can be the messiest thing ever. And that's where religious people be like, see, told you they were messed up. But that's where Jesus is going, no, do you see? That's how transformation happens. Paul was willing to put himself out there. Sometimes. And some of you can have experienced this. And some of you may still yet experience this. Sometimes the things we build up for ourselves, they got to be torn all the way down before Jesus can rebuild that which is life and light. And if you have experienced what it is to have your life torn completely down to rubble in front of people around you, it is both humiliating and freeing at the same time. It's humiliating because people be like, look at that person. It's freeing though because we know what it means to lay down our self, die completely to ourself, and take up faith and life and forgiveness in Jesus. There was a woman who was cast, who came in front of Jesus in, in a dinner setting at a holy religious person's house. This woman came in uninvited and she started weeping before Jesus and she, was, she didn't know how to act 
at church. She didn't know how to act in religious settings. She just loved Jesus and wanted to say thank you for what he had done in her life. So she starts weeping on his feet, kissing his feet. People, it was like, it was like a little almost sensual for what was happening in the setting. And people are like, what the heck is going on? And this one re religious dude who would kind of like the pastor of the day, the Pharisee, like Paul was talking about, has a thought in his mind. Don't even say it out loud. And, he, and here's his thought. If Jesus only knew what that woman was, there's no way he would let this happen. Didn't even say it, he just thought it. Jesus said, hey, read his thoughts. And he goes, I got a question for you, Simon. Two people owed a debt. Neither one of them could repay it. One person owed a grand, thousand bucks. The other person owned $50,000. Neither one of them could pay it off. But both of them went to the debtor and was like, I can't pay it off. And then the debtor forgave both debts. Who do you think was more stoked that their debt got paid off? And the, the Pharisee, Simon, he goes, well, I suppose the $50,000 debt. And Jesus goes, ding, 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 you're right. And then he looks at this woman and he goes, you see this woman? I can't. Nobody washed my feet when I came to your house. No one, would, no one lowered themselves enough to take care of them, their guests. Since your servant wasn't here to do it, you didn't do it. This woman is washing my feet with her tears. No one... I'm trying to remember the intricacies of the story on the spot, but he's like, nobody sought me out. This woman is pouring perfume all over my feet. And he goes... This woman sins, and then in the text, there's a comma, and then Jesus goes, and there's a lot of them. And then there's another comma, and he says, are forgiven. And then he says, and people who have been forgiven much, love much. And people who have been forgiven little, love little. Who's been forgiven little? People that bring a little bit to forgive. But nobody can pay their debt. But some people, based on circumstance, maybe bad decision, their whole world gets put out for everybody to see, and everyone gets to place judgment on it. And you can't hide it. That's why people who have been broken in front of everyone to see often are the people that lead the next generation because they know what it's like to have no confidence in their flesh and all confidence in Jesus. People who, are, who have been forgiven much, love much. I'm going to bring it home with these last verses and a couple of points. Then we're going to have the team come up, and then we're going to take communion, because I know that God wants to do some business with you today. Here's the last bit. Verse 12. Not that I have already obtained this, Paul says. These are some of my favorite verses in the Bible. Maybe some of you know these. If you don't, get ready to live. Not that I have already obtained all of this, or I have arrived at my goal. Because he's like, I want to know God. I want to be like him. If I have to suffer, I want to suffer the right way. I, I, want my I want my life. I want God to use it. I want Jesus to be real not a set of laws that I follow. I don't want to just know the stories. I want to know Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. And then he says, not that I'm already there yet or have, I have arrived. He says this, but I press on to take hold of that for which Jesus has took a hold of me. He's like, God has saw so much potential in me. He gave his life. So I press on that I could just be what God wants me to be. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, this is what he says he does, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on 
toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You'll never find rest in this world if you're looking for it in yourself. And the refuge that we're supposed to find that that is available in Jesus, refuge isn't found in one day. It's supposed to be found daily. That's what he's saying. I'm going to press on. And he's like, and the one thing I do, I got to forget the past and I got to move on. I want to talk about two options. that are placed in front of us this morning. There's two things at play that I, I believe that this is the whole point of this morning and supposed to give, give this to you. Jesus' people are not called to be perfect. We're called to progress. Some of us, I'm just going to say us because Some of us who are followers of Jesus who would call ourselves Christians for sure in the world, for sure in our context, some of us think we have righteousness on our own. We have our list of accomplishments, our list of I do this and I don't do that. We say things like, I'm a good person. Most people believe in God, you know that? Most people even believe in like eternal life and like the idea of heaven, but you ask people, how does that work? Well, it's because I'm a good person. But when you say you're a good person, a part, you immediately have to say, I'm good. So what's good? Well, compared to, and then you fill in the blank. I'm a good person, and then you find someone who's not as good as you, and you go, compared to them. But what about when you find someone who's better than you? Well, they're just faking it. It'll work for part of the time. It might even work for a lot of your life, because you can find a lot of people who aren't as good as you. Here's the problem. At some point, your list of accomplishments and Jesus' list of accomplishments will be lined up side by side. And you can't be better than everybody. And Jesus said, I am the best, and that's the whole point. I'm showing you I'm better, and you're not, so you would know you don't have to rely on your own accomplishments to be good. You can rely on his. That is salvation by faith. It's looking at no matter if you're good or bad, I hope you're a good person. And I actually believe most people are. But you'll never be good enough because we have Jesus as an example. When people are like, people say, I think people for the most part are good. Some people are like, no, people are bad. Total depravity and all of that stuff. Until people know that stuff, they're just operating the best they can and they're trying to do good. It's when they meet Jesus that they start doing weird stuff like, maybe I should trade the way I've been living my whole life for what Jesus said. That's a work of the Spirit. Some of us need to be convicted that the way you look at other people is not helping. It's not helping them, but most importantly, it's not helping you because it's taking you down a path where you're never going to experience peace and circumstances, refuge and trials, and home in Jesus because you're always searching for something more. And here's the other option, and I believe, I believe there'll be a, some of us are in this place. When Paul says, brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself to have yet taken hold of it, but one thing I do. I'm always reminded of City Slickers. You guys remember that movie? Billy Crystal? If you're under 40, you don't know it, and that's fine, but our movies were better. Amen. But there's this thing where he's talking to Curly. 
<laughs> Did you say that, Dennis? Curly. And, De- and Curly goes, this, there's a secret to life. He's like, what is it? And he's all, it's just this one thing. And all movie long, he's like, what is it? It's just one thing. And at the end, he's like, well, you got to figure it out. Well, here's what Paul says. There's a secret to content. He, we're grand finale. This is the first. <laughs> here's the secret. It's one thing. For good or for bad, he goes, I forget. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on. Some people we don't press on because we found what we think we're looking for in ourselves. but some of us, even though we've moved on from a, a, a past where we experienced destruction and was not good and we know it and we've moved away from that and we have placed our life in Jesus' hands and we say, God, I want you. Some of us, Your past still has power over you. It's got its claws in you still. But I want to tell you, because people say, oh, that's in you. That's always been in your family. That's part of your story. Your dad struggled with it, so you're going to struggle with it. He was mean to people. He was abusive. That's just... That's just in you. That's who you are. I'm like, that's bull crap. Just because something is in you, that doesn't mean it is you. But the devil wants to tell you that's who you are. And just because you've been there and experienced that, that is not your address anymore. And you're not the only person that struggles with that. Paul said, I have to do this every day. What did he need to not focus on? The fact that he killed the people that he was now trying to reach. The fact that his failures, if anybody had experienced failures enough to disqualify them from what their future had in store for them, it was him. And he was like, I can't outrun it. I can't undo it. But I have to move on from it. And there are people that will be here for a while and then they'll leave. Those people that get out of jail go back to jail. And those are just the visible ones. But there are people that will be here wholeheartedly with the Lord. And then the next week their heart is off somewhere else because they have secret sin in some place. Dude, we're just basket cases. And we're all over the place. But it's time to let go. Again, if need be. It's time to let go of the past and turn around. You know, that's what repent means, right? It just means to let go, turn around, and take a step. Literal translation. It's time to trade it in again because refuge isn't found in a day. It's found daily. So when you hear people say, man, you should start today by reading your Bible, that's good stuff. What maybe we should say is, Start the day by trading your sin in for Jesus' forgiveness. Start the day by trading your judgments for God's finished judgment on Jesus. Maybe we start our day by trading in our way for God's way. These are the rhythms that we have as we read, we pray. We're like, Lord, help us today. It's Jesus' work on the cross that allows us to have confidence in his resume, not ours. You don't have to have confidence in yours. We stand on his. Because Jesus is alive, I can live. Because Jesus forgave me, I'm forgiven. Somebody you need to hear today, you've been forgiven. Quit judging yourself. That's what it is to have good confidence. It's not in yourself. It's in Jesus. That's where refuge is found. So is confidence good or bad? Depends on where you look for it. Depends on what you do with it. If you have confidence in yourself, you're going to come to a place where yourself's not enough. But if you've placed your life and faith and trust in Jesus' hands, it's like you're, he's saying, you're in with me. Don't worry about you. 
Don't look at your resume. Look at mine, he would say. So we're going to finish this morning. We're going to sing a song. During the song, we're going to pass out communion. I'm going to come up. I'm going to lead us through communion. And we are going to just do some business with the Lord and with our own hearts. And we're going to do it together. Because I want you to experience and I want to experience what all that God wants us to experience is that regardless of where we're at, what's going on, that there is a place of safety and belonging and purpose. And not just that, but confidence in God's plan for you and your family, our church, our city. You guys good? Everyone good? Eyes here. Come to me, all of you, if you're burdened. If your heart is so busy that you can't find peace. If you're looking to yourself for answers. If you're weighed down by life. This was his offer. He's like, if that's you, he says, you come to me then. Now there's all sorts of stuff being said here. He's saying, I know what's happening. I do all that. But he's like, you have a part to play. He's like, you got to come. And he's like, and if you do that, I will give you rest, he said. That word rest means refuge, safety, contentment, peace, lightness. And then he says, take my yoke and learn upon me and learn from me for I am gentle and humble and you will find rest for your souls. He's like, because what I'm going to do in your life, it's easy and it's light compared to what you're doing to yourself. So when Jesus was eating the last supper, we call it or whatever, with his disciples, he took bread and he took juice and he's like, this is my body, the bread, saying like, this is my list of accomplishments is what he's saying. This is my life, my body broken for you. The perfect life given free of charge so that you could gain access, not by your own confidence, but in who Jesus is. You could have confidence in Jesus's flesh and not your own because he alone lived according to God's perfect standard. He did it, but just him. But he's like, because I did it, you can do it too. That doesn't mean go out there and be better than everyone else. He says, just rest in his finished work. That's what he was saying. When you take the bread, it's like you're partaking again of who Jesus is and what he's done. And then when you take the cup, you're remembering that no matter what, you could never give enough of yourself away to the world to pay for your own sin, but he's like, but I did it. Not just for you, but for your neighbor. Not just for the person who hides their sin away in their heart, but for the person who it was displayed out for the whole world to see. Jesus did it for everybody. So he gives us in a group setting, he's like, so you guys take communion all the time. And when you do it, remember that this is, your, your story is written in here, but so is everybody else's. That's why we take it together because we're all eating of the same bread, we're all drinking of the same cup. So it's for me, and it's for you too. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. And I, I don't know, before we take the bread, I guess I'll just give this opportunity to respond. The words that are in my mind are, let go and move on. So if there's someone in here in this place that before you take communion, because communion's going to, it's like, it's like the, the punctuation at the end of the sentence. It's going to sort of like seal it and be like, man. But some of you need to let go of something. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's judgment on another person. Maybe it's trying to live up to everything yourself. Maybe it's that thing that keeps coming back up from your past. It tries to grab a hold of you and pull you backwards and it's taking you where you don't want to be. But the word for you this morning is this one thing you need to do. 
you got to let go and you have to move on. You have to look to Jesus and start moving that way. So if that's you this morning and the Lord's speaking to your heart, I just want you to raise your hand and be like, that's me because I want to pray for you. And I want to seal it with you. My hand's up because it's me for sure. I just want to tell you that you're who God says you are. You're not who anybody else says you are at the end of the day. And as we take communion, what we're saying is that we're forgiven. And if you've never placed your life in Jesus' hands, you've been trying to do it on your own, you can put your hands down. Then before you take communion, you just need to exchange your way for God's way. You use whatever words you want, but it's like, Lord, please come into my life and help me. My way is not working. There's no, there's no formula. There's just an exchange. There's just the reality of your heart and your situation and saying, Jesus, you say you love people enough that you died for them. Well, come into my life. Forgive me of where I've been. Forgive me of what I've done and make me new. That's the whole thing. Make me new. And if that's you and you're just at this place where you've had enough and you want to ask God to come into your life for the very first time or again for the first time in a long time, then I just want you to raise your hand up and I want to pray with you too. That's what I'm talking about. Lord, we thank you for each of these people. I want you guys to pray with me. Just, just say out loud what I say. And whether you had your hand up or not, let's everybody speak. Because for those of you that just gave your life to Jesus in your own space and time, um, we're gonna, all going to speak this prayer with you because we've either all done that and, and we just want you to know that, that uh, we're in this with you together. So dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for speaking to me. Thank you for loving me. Please come into my life and make me new. Help me to hear your voice more than any other. I give you my past. I give you my present. I trust you with my future. I love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's go. Let's clap for people. Oh, nobody's excited. All right, I'll clap for you. Oh, yeah, you have communion in your hand. That was rude. I apologize. Dear Lord, please forgive me for my rudeness. Let's take this. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you for your body that was broken for us, that we could not just live but have eternal life, that we could not just scrape by on our days, but we could actually be content in any circumstances because you are with us, Jesus. Your resurrected body shows us that, and we take this bread in Jesus' name. And we don't have to run from our sin. We don't have to be defined by our past because if we place our life in your hands. You wrote your name over all of our stuff. You forgave it. You, you removed it because love keeps no record of wrongs, and you are simply asking us to trust you that you've got it covered. Well, we know you got it covered because you've covered all things with the blood of the Lamb. So cool. So, Lord, we take this and as we drink this, may we just be reminded for those of us that have placed our lives in your hands that we're forgiven, that we are safe, we're not a disappointment, we're your children and you love us. So we take this in Jesus' name, amen. All right, that's all we got for the day. God bless you guys. If you need prayer or you made that decision this morning, I want you to come up and meet with me right here and I'm going to pray with you for the rest of y'all. Love you. Have a great day. We'll see you next week.